I've entitled this uh, message, A Fresh Start with God, and just a simple message uh, this morning about renewal, spiritual renewal. This is the season of year where we all get so busy, Christmas parties, Christmas concerts, gatherings with family and friends, it's all very wonderful, but um, in the busyness of the holidays, we can... um, squeeze out the, the work that God wants to do in our lives during the season. We can forget, as the saying goes, the reason for the season. And so there's a time that we need, I think, to take uh, during the Advent season. This is a season of preparation. A time to take and, and ask the Lord, what new thing do you want to do in my life? Um, what new thing do you want to do in our church? And, and I don't know about you, but if you, you sense a hunger for a fresh work of God in your heart, in your church, in, in our community, Lord knows that our city needs the Spirit of God to pervade the churches and the neighborhoods. And so um, I just want to talk very simply about God's plan of renewal, His ministry of renewal that we see in ministry of John the Baptist because I think it just presents sort of a classic ministry of spiritual renewal and and revival. And if you look at John the Baptist and then you look at the history of revival throughout the Christian past, I think you're going to see some similar features. So God is doing something new in the ministry of John the Baptist and whenever he wants to do a new work, see these marks of ministry. And it has to do with repentance and it has to do with the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to spend a lot of time today talking about the work of repentance, and then we'll touch on the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, John, before we get into that, is just kind of an interesting figure. He um, was the son of a priest, uh, Zechariah. We know that from Luke chapter 1. And he would have been in line to be a priest. He was really obligated, uh, unless God did something dramatic and called him in a different direction, which is exactly what God did, but he would have been obligated to fulfill this this work uh, as a priest in Jerusalem. But instead of being a priest, God called him to be a prophet, the last prophet, the greatest of all the prophets, because um, he was going to foretell and prepare the way for the coming of the Messiah, which is exactly what he did in fulfillment of that passage from Isaiah. He is an Elijah-like figure. Uh, That's why we have this wonderful diet. If you want a diet to help you lose weight, I guess you could try this, locusts and wild honey. And uh, not too many of those books on the market, the John the Baptist diet. He was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. If you look at Elijah's ministry, you'll see a similar thing in his dress and what he ate. So the echoes here of Elijah, and the Jews believe that at the time of the Messiah, God would, would send Elijah again to prepare the way. So he's an Elijah-like prophetic figure. He, he's not working in Jerusalem, the center of Jewish religious life and power. He's called out to the desert, to the wilderness. And oftentimes we see in biblical history how God calls people into the wilderness to deal with them. We see that in the history of Israel. They're called to wander in the desert as God deals with them. 
And that's what's going on in the ministry of John the Baptist. His watchword is repent. His ritual um, that he used to focus people on repentance is baptism. Talking repentance first, and then we'll talk about this other mark of renewal, which is the work of the Holy Spirit. John appeared, verse 4 says, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. So this is a great work of God. John's ministry is very popular. Water baptism would have been radical for a Jew to undergo. It just didn't happen. There were some sectarian movements like the Essenes that practiced some sort of daily ritual of washing. But for a Jew to do this, a one-time event marking a transition in their life was a very radical thing. To say that you need to repent and then be baptized, symbolizing a cleansing. Water is a symbol of cleansing, of renewal, of a fresh start. And so this was a very potent message and a very potent symbol that John the Baptist is using. Let's talk about what repentance means <clears throat> in the Bible. Repentance is not just a sense of guilt for sin. It, it involves that, but it's, it's, it's more than that. It's more radical than just feeling sorry for sin. Repentance in the Bible means that you are changing direction. You're going one way in life. You're, 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 you have one set of values, attitudes, ideas about All of a sudden, God breaks in and He turns you around and you go in a different direction. Repentance means to turn around. And repentance is an act of grace because God is the one who who reaches out and turns people to himself out of love and says, I want to set you on a new path. So repentance means, biblically, a change of direction. It also means a change of mind. Change of direction, change of mind. Maybe you've had the experience of changing your mind on something. Maybe you can look back on your younger years and, and say, you know, I used to think about politics or the economy or religion this way when I was younger but now I have a completely different view. I, I can't even believe that I used to believe that as a younger person. Someone or something or a series of someones or something changed your thinking, changed your way of perceiving. And so you're going in a different direction and you have a different view of things. That's, that's repentance. And again, it is, it is a work of grace because it's not easy for us to admit Men, you can probably say amen to this, that we're going in the wrong direction. That we've headed off in the wrong way. It's not easy to admit that we're wrong. It's not easy to admit that we're lost. Those of us who are married know that it's not easy to admit to our spouse, I'm wrong. Or parents to children even, to say to our children, it's very humbling to say, I was wrong about that. And, and even to a friend or a co-worker, to admit that we're wrong is not easy. So when somebody does that, when somebody is affected by the Spirit of God moving on their hearts, and they come clean with God, and they say, I admit I'm wrong, 
I've been going in the wrong direction. I've been thinking the wrong way. I'm not going to make excuses. My orientation has been completely off. The way that I've thought about you, the way that I've treated others, I've flunked the whole thing. There are red marks all over this test. I admit it. No excuses. That's a work of grace. That shows that God has gotten a hold of that person. And that's repentance. Confession, then, is admitting to God God has set us on this path of repentance. God's grace has, has, has gripped us and now has put us on a new trajectory. And confession is admitting to God, I veered off the path. Confession flows from repentance. These people were being baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. And then in the context of that, they were confessing, naming their sins before God. Confession literally means to say after or to agree with. We agree with God that our sin really is wretched, ugly, dark, that we've offended against Him and we've offended and we've hurt other people. We, we bring our life into the light of His presence and we confess, yes, God, that, that sarcastic remark, that cutting, biting word, uh, that, that anger, that outburst, that lustful look, that white lie really is, in the light of your holiness, wrong. And I'm sorry. And I want to receive afresh, once again, your forgiveness. That's confession. Repentance is more of an orientation, a trajectory of life. And then confession is daily admitting, I'm veering off, God. I'm tempted to go on an off-ramp here. And it's to get us back on track. And it's something we should practice each and every day of our life. As I said, that confession involves this idea of bringing our life into the light of God's holiness. And it takes the light of God's holiness to reveal compare ourselves to others and we are tempted to rationalize and think well I'm not doing so bad compared to other people but when we bring ourselves into the light of God's presence it reveals our our sinful state I remember one time when I was teaching in graduate school I was still teaching some classes at that time part of my graduate assistantship and one class I was showing I showed a film in this class and for, um, for some reason, I don't remember exactly what the series of events, but I had just purchased the newspaper. As I walked into this class, I had the newspaper under my arm. And then we sat down and we watched this film. I turned the lights off, and, and I was sitting at my desk, and I, I was holding the newspaper, just kind of like this. And uh, after the film was over, we turned the lights on, and I said, okay, class, we're going to take a break and come back. I went to the bathroom. I turned on the lights, and, then I, and I looked in the mirror with black newsprint. <laughs> my hands were covered black. My face had black because I had been rubbing my hands. Of course I didn't know that in the dark. Of course I didn't recognize the, the, the stain on my hand. It took the light. It took the mirror. And, and it's the same way in our life. We have to bring our life into the light of God's presence. And uh, into the, we have to reflect our uh, on the mirror of God's word. We need to hold God's word up to our life as a mirror and say, this is how, fall, how, how short I have fallen. And, and we do that in light of the cross of Christ. 
Because as we bring our life to the cross of Christ, we hear God through Christ saying, you're forgiven. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And that compels us. We, 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 we know that we have a God who loves us and forgives us and wants to cleanse and, and pardon us. So that's the work of repentance and confession. And I just wonder, is this part of your daily discipline? I, I think that um, Mike preached on confession last week. Maybe God is trying to tell us something. It's a part of your life. There's some disciplines that we need to cultivate as God's people. Uh, a couple of weeks ago was Thanksgiving. That's the discipline that we need to cultivate in prayer. Thanksgiving should be just a part of our, our prayer life regularly. Thanking God for everything that he's given to us, especially in Jesus Christ. But also confession, daily confession. And of course, we have great resources as Anglicans for that. I wonder if there's somebody here who, if you look at your life and, and you recognize, yeah, God has set me on a path, but I've been veering off. There's been things that are tempting me, seducing me away from the path that God has set me on. You know, First John talks about some of those things that can pull us away. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of possessions. And John the Apostle says in that chapter, says those things, are gonna, those things belong to the world and the world is fading. But the one who does the will of God lives forever. And I wonder if you can recognize points in your life and maybe there's somebody here who says, yeah, I'm veering off the path. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of possessions, the pride of life that is pulling me away from the And I want you to hear the word of Christ today saying to you, repent, turn back, confess, Hear his gracious call this morning. So that's one work of God's renewal is repentance. And there's another element in John's preaching, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit. John says in verse 8, I have baptized you with water, but he, that is Christ, the Messiah, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So this work that John, God has given of repentance is preparing a way for the Messiah and then the Messiah is going to come and kind of complete the work by immersing people in the presence and power and reality of God's Spirit. And again, as you look at the history of God's dealing with people in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and then throughout the history of Christianity, what you see is when God begins a renewal work, the work of the Holy Spirit is very prominent. Things happen that people can explain. Because God is doing something unique. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit. We see in the ministry of Jesus that he is the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. At the end of his ministry, at the end of the Gospel of John, he breathes on his disciples and he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then before he ascends, he tells his followers, stay in Jerusalem and pray for the Holy Spirit. Pray for a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And of course, we celebrate that at Pentecost. During Pentecost, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit as they prayed. The work of the Holy Spirit is part and parcel of God's renewing work. It's the Spirit of God that gave life to the dead bones in Ezekiel's vision. You remember Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones. 
wherever there's dryness, wherever there is death, and God wants to bring new life, it's through the work of the Holy Spirit. What new things is God calling us to do? What new thing does God want to do in your life? Advent is the beginning of a new year, a new liturgical year. It's a new season. It's a time of preparation. What new thing does God want to do in your life, in our church? What new things are you going to have to walk through in your life this new year? Maybe you can't even anticipate what's going to happen. There are difficult situations that we're going to have to face with health, with finances, with relationship issues. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the sustaining, empowering, softening work of the Holy Spirit in our life so that we can walk in the things that God is leading us to do and we can grow in the grace and goodness of God even in difficult times. We have a live Christmas tree in our house. Josie has always insisted on a live Christmas tree. I grew up with an artificial Christmas tree. But she's convinced me that her path, her, her way is right because I enjoy a live Christmas tree now. But the thing is with a live Christmas tree, of course, you have to keep the thing watered constantly, making sure because it just sucks it, right? It's so dry. And so you have to keep it watered. And if you don't keep it watered, the needles begin to fall. The limbs begin to droop. The ornaments start to even fall off. And at the end of the season, no matter how much you water it, of course, it's as light as a feather when you pick it up to discard it. But I was thinking about that as I was preparing this sermon. You know, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we can get dry and brittle as His people. And apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we can become hard to the things of God and to other people. And we can get cynical and we can become disillusioned and we can let the skepticism of our culture begin to influence us. We need to experience the power and presence of God. Jesus is the baptizer with the Holy Spirit. He said in John chapter 7, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And John says he was talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. All Christians have the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit of God indwells all Christians. But we need continual renewal in the Spirit of God. And so I'm just asking you to join me this Advent season to make some space in your busy schedule, to make some space in your life to pray, to pray for yourself, to ask God to uh, examine to, to shine his spotlight on your life to see if there's any things that need to be cleared out of your life are you veering off the path I'm asking you to to pray that the Holy Spirit will fill you afresh and fill this church afresh God wants to do a new work in us and he's given us these resources repentance and the work of the Holy Spirit Amen Lord God, we do pray that you would help us to hear, hear your cry to us, your, your voice to us through the ministry of John the Baptist. We thank you that you sent him to prepare the way for the Messiah. And we thank you, God, that we know the Messiah 
as the forgiver of our sins and the baptizer of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that we would humble ourselves this Advent season and seek your face for a fresh work in our lives and in our community. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.